God gives courage to those who love him and those who follow him. Now, what in the world am I talking about? Well, that's a good question as we look at Psalms or rather Proverbs chapter 28. We'll talk about it in five minutes time. So stay there. Corey and Ryan are here. Corey? I'm talking about bread and food in ancient Israel. Ryan? Today, I'm looking at how dairy products were made in the ancient Middle East. Interestingly, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 33 gives us some insight into this process. Both of you are talking about food. I'm excited about that, Janice. I'm not talking about food today, but I am talking about knowing and living God's Word. All right, knowing and living God's Word. I, I like talking about the food, though. That's good. <laughs> anyway, open up your Bible guide to today's passage as we look at Proverbs chapter 28. We're going to talk about it in five minutes. Corey and Ryan are coming up in 20 minutes. Janice in 25. And let's listen to what, what God is saying when we read his best-selling book. That is the Word of God. Proverbs 28, 1 through 6. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Because of the transgression of a land, many are its princes. But by a man of understanding and knowledge, right will be prolonged. A poor man who oppresses the poor is like a driving rain which leaves no food. Those who forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one perverse in his ways, though he be rich. Proverbs chapter 28, verses 1 through 6. It's the last part of Proverbs, really. Uh, Proverbs 28, 29, 30, and 31. Now, many believe that they can create conditions that provide good outcomes. But let's review the meaning of what good is. 1 Corinthians 13 is dedicated to the definition of love, or as the early King James calls it, charity. Now the implication of charity is loving and generous and giving, to help or to aid. In other words, true love or charity is not about receiving, but it's about giving. Now, it is self-sacrificial. In the dictionary, the word for good is defined as one who morally is excellent or virtuous or righteous or godly. It is seen as intrinsic to the individual himself. So the idea of being a good person is someone who creates situations and circumstances where you are seen as someone who contributes to the greater good makes morally excellent and virtuous decisions. Beneficial for all, or most. But our modern understanding of goodness does not really realize that it is God who makes us good because no one is good except God, according to Mark chapter 10, verse 18. So Proverbs 28 highlights the ways and the ability to be a good person. It cannot be done without God. 
So I just want to be clear because in case somebody did not hear me say this, I want to emphasize what I believe. It is impossible to truly be good according to the biblical definition of good by yourself. You need God, beloved. You need to understand who he is. Now, this is really important because when you take him as Lord of your life, then suddenly all things change. You see, the Holy Spirit is outside of this earth. The Holy Spirit is outside of things and he comes into our spirits and changes our spirit. And that is the reason that we become good. And so that's important because as we live according to what the Holy Spirit says, then we can become good and well as God fits. Now, this is important. Take your Bible guide and turn to Proverbs 28 as we discuss what creates good. It is amazing. We're going to look at Proverbs 28 verses 1 through 6. If you don't have a Bible guide, you can call us or you can write to us. Or another thing that you can do is you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. When you go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, click on the page that looks like the Bible guide. It takes you to a donate. And may I say thank you for your donations. They are very important and very good. They keep us alive. And we want to say also that it takes you to a page like this where you can download the Bible guide as we printed it. So you have your own copy of the Bible guide. Now, as we focus on this, let's pray and ask the Lord to teach us his way and show us his path. Father, as we look at the last chapters of Proverbs, help us to hear your word because we don't need to apply ourselves to it, but we need to listen to it and help us to know exactly what you're telling us. Thank you, Father. This is very, very important. And this is what we ask. And we said together, all of us together said, amen. Or in other words, make it so. Now, with that in mind, we come to this passage and we look at chapter 28, verse 1. Here is what the chapter says. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as lions. Because of the transgression of a land, many are its princes. Now, that's important to remember. But by a man of understanding and knowledge, right will be prolonged. Did you understand that? You see, God gives courage to those who love and follow him. God is holy. Let me explain. God gives courage to us when we follow him because we are going to need that courage through the power of the Holy Spirit in order to change what we've been born like. So if I'm somebody who is a believer in Jesus Christ and I allow the Holy Spirit to come into my life, then I say, well, Lord, I, I, I'm not like I would be without the Holy Spirit, so I'm a different person. And from the beginning of my life to the end of my life, they look at me and they see a shift, a change in my person, in my personality. It shifts more to be like God. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's God who's done that. The Spirit of God has joined mine and brought me back to what he has called me to be. That's very important. All right, let's go on because this is interesting. Proverbs 28, beginning with verse three. For a poor man who oppresses the poor is like a driving rain, which leaves no food. Did you hear that? See, those who forsake the law praise the wicked. Those who forsake the law praise the wicked. But such as keep the law 
contend with them. Oh, this is amazing. You see, the best way to keep God's moral standard is to submit to the Lord in how we live. We need to stay close to God and do things his way. Again, let me explain. I can't do it. I don't believe there's anybody who can. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, when we come to know Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, which is not from this world, comes from heaven into our hearts and God lives inside of us. And he ignites us and makes us really well. He makes us the kind of people we are called to be. So I can do one of two things. Either I can get saved and just go live my life accordingly, or I can get saved and begin to follow God. When I do that, the Holy Spirit changes things because things, problems, difficulties, health problems, whatever happens comes my way. And I say to the Lord, Father, I need you today. And God does things. Sometimes he heals me. Sometimes he doesn't. He does things to modify my behavior to become more like him. Isn't that interesting? So many people today just want to get healed and go on with their life, but that's not the way it works. The Holy Spirit of God is changing us. God is changing us as we go and grow. So that becomes very important. Come to God, follow him, and let him change your life today. Very interesting and very important. All right, we go to five and six. This is really something. Listen carefully. Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all. Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one perverse in his ways, though he be rich. Do you understand what the Bible is saying? To the drive for success to those who love the Lord is a drive for righteousness, rightness with God. Success in business is not simply for financial gain, but a priority of integrity and justice. It's not simply the American dream. The American dream, Lord willing, is a dream to become like God, regardless of our financial status. That's the world dream. That's the dream of Jesus Christ, beloved. We need to hear that. We need to understand that we don't exist uh, just to exist so we can become rich. We exist to become like God. Did you hear what I said? We exist to become like the Lord. And if we do that, then God will have full glory in us. And I tell you what, when we get to heaven after this life, things will be very, very different. Now, this is Proverbs chapter 28. I want to say that as we begin to study the Proverbs, and we've studied them all the way through, it gets very interesting to listen and hear the Spirit of God. But... A lie is when somebody tells you, I know how you'll be happy. You buy this hairspray and you're going to be happy. You smell like this flower, you're going to be happy. You take this drug, you're going to be happy. You buy this car, you're going to be happy. See, it all tells me I'm going to be happy. No, I'm not. That's not how this works. The truth is that I am not happy until I find the purpose of why I exist. My purpose for living. 
All right, well, it's time now to carry on with our discovery of the Bible. And my segment today is all about how certain dairy products were made in the Middle East. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of the program, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 33, gives us some insight into this process. And what's really cool is that the writer of this passage uses this imagery to teach us a very valuable lesson about the nature of anger and strife. But let's take a look at how people in the ancient East produced tasty dairy products. The Hebrew word chemah occurs no less than 10 times in nine different verses throughout the Old Testament canon. The King James Version of the Bible always translates this word as butter, though other translations render it in various different ways, such as curds, cream, curdled milk, and even cheese. While there has been some question surrounding the accuracy of the KJV's translation of this Hebrew word as butter, we do know that butter was known about in ancient Israel at least. As it's been pointed out, since some adjacent countries knew and used butter, such as the Hittites, and with their sheep, goats, and cows were butter makers, it seems probable that the Hebrews also had it. As a matter of fact, the mere action of transporting milk from place to place would produce churned butter, and the churn-type vessels known from archaeology would be ideal for that purpose. It also seems that this Hebrew word can refer to a range of different dairy products, including butter. As one scholar explains, dairy products were an important element of the diet of the ancient world. Due to the lack of refrigeration, the milk from cows, water buffalo, sheep, or goats could not all be consumed before going sour. So to prolong the life of this vital resource, the milk was put into goat skins, buffalo skins, or clay vessels and curdled by agitating it in various ways. The resulting product would range from cream to butter to cheese, depending on the exact process followed. These products could be kept for periods ranging from a week to several months. The 19th century reverend James Freeman, in his great work Bible Manners and Customs, explained well the specific process that was involved. Sometimes the skin containing the milk is shaken to and fro, or beaten with sticks. Sometimes it is placed on the ground and trodden upon. Again, it is pressed or squeezed with the hands so that the contents become agitated and greatly coagulate. The Bible actually seems to allude to this last method in Proverbs 30, verse 33, where it says, For pressing milk produces curds, pressing the nose produces blood, and pressing anger produces strife. Interestingly, curds are still made in a similar way today, though they now go by the name of leaven. Leaven is produced by churning somewhat fermented milk, resulting in a kind of butter and buttermilk. This is put into cloth bags, and the water is squeezed out, leaving the leaven. Thick curds may be made by boiling the leaven and hardening it into granulated cakes, which may later be pounded up and mixed with water to reconstitute leaven. This product is much used by desert Bedouin during the non-milking season of the herds. Okay, so I hope that you enjoyed the report. You know, it's really interesting to see the processes by which Middle Easterners made some of their dairy products and how it's still made today in a similar way. And I really like how the writer of this Proverbs passage uses the process to teach us about the nature of anger. He says, for pressing milk produces curds, pressing the nose produces blood, 
and pressing anger produces strife. Words of wisdom that we all should consider. Yeah, that is that is really true, and it's very interesting when you make food and do all that. You you use these uh, things that you can apply to your life. It's very interesting.、Mm -hmm. uh, thank you, Ryan, for that, Corey. All right. Well, as we know, food is very important to human survival. It's it's still that way today. It's been that way since the beginning of human life on Earth. We see、uh, several examples in Scripture of bread being made, of bread, the the word for bread being interchangeable with. Food as a whole. So this idea of give us a stay, our daily bread, give us sustenance, give us what we need to survive. We see that all throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament as well. So today I want to take a look at、uh, the ancient process of making bread. In the middle of Jesus's famous model prayer, he petitions God to give us this day our daily bread. Demonstrating quite naturally the ancient importance of this culinary staple, bread was such an integral part of the ancient Near Eastern diet that the word could be used to mean food in general. Almost as far back as historians can see, bread has been a part of the human diet via wild and cultivated seed. Like today, there were many different ways to make a loaf. First, flour had to be processed. Different types of grains were used. In ancient Israel, at least two types of wheat were grown: emmer wheat that required traditional threshing or pounding to get rid of the seed hull, and durum wheat that became more popular because it didn't require threshing. Wheat was grown from November to May, and its harvest was celebrated by the biblical Feast of Weeks. Barley was the other dominating grain of the biblical landscape. As a crop, it was more robust than wheat, tolerating harsher conditions and poorer soil. But it was also viewed as less valuable than wheat. For example, except for in a very specific circumstance, offerings to God were made of wheat flour. The heads of wheat and barley could be eaten raw or toasted, but the truly civilized way was to process them into flour. This was most often done by hand on a daily, as-needed basis. Dough would then be mixed up with the flour and a liquid, any add-ins like fat, seeds, fruit, or coarser grain, and could be baked right away or leavened. The baking process itself also varied greatly. Dough could be flattened and cooked directly in the coals of a fire. It could be baked on a preheated flat rock or on a large metal circular plate heated over a fire. Ovens were also utilized. Dome ovens and tanner ovens being widely attested to. Ancient Egypt has left us the most prolific evidence of bread baking in its pictorial representations, 3D models, and even in the form of ancient loaves themselves. From these, we learn that bread was baked in many different shapes, sizes, and forms. It could be flat bread or leavened bread. It could be shaped by hand into spirals, loaves, or models of other things. It could be stamped or baked in a pottery mold. Potted and molded bread were often baked in dome-type ovens that facilitated the stacking or placing of pots within the heated structure. The walls of tanner-style ovens were used to bake bread that had been slapped onto it. Whatever process was used, it's clear that bread baking quickly became something more than just calorie-based. It was part of a tradition of modifying the natural world, of becoming creators in our own right. It's interesting that this cross-culturally was then offered back to God or the gods, as it were, an act of love and devotion. Breaking bread was actually and symbolically an act of friendship. 
Now, as Proverbs does, it's a, it's a very practical book. It's meant to have practical application in your life. It's it's meant to impart wisdom without you actually having to live through some terrible things that will inevitably give you wisdom. But it, to its practicality, if we look back in Proverbs chapter 27, uh, I, I think this is really interesting. Verse 22 says, though you grind a fool in a mortar, grinding him like grain with a pestle, you will not remove their folly from them. So this idea using this concept of of grinding grain, this daily process that would have happened in order to make bread, in order to make sustenance. It's doing that to show, you know, you can you can remove useful flour from grain and and, and sift it to make the, the flour more fine. But even if you were to sift a fool, you cannot separate his folly from him. So this is something that God has to do. It is impossible uh, with human hands. Really interesting. Uh, you know, times have changed in today's world, but... Uh, Back when you could make bread and you could do all this stuff, things were really different. Very interesting, mm-hmm. Court. Excellent. Jess. And we can still make bread with our hands. We can. And do that, but it takes a lot of organization to have to be home that long. And anyway, I love bread. You know that. (laughs) But my segment is not about food. Well, perhaps spiritual food because it was called Knowing and Living God's Word. My key verse in in Proverbs chapter 28 is verse 4 that says, Those who forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. And it sort of goes with verse one that says the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. What am I talking about? Well, when we follow and we seek after God with all our hearts, we will make mistakes. Of course, we're humans. But by coming to the Lord and his word daily, putting it into our hearts, getting it into our minds, and then living it in our lives, We can know the difference between right and wrong in God's eyes. And that's something very different than than our own thinking or those things that we see within our culture. Without knowing what God's word says, we can easily get tripped up not only by our own emotions, but by peer pressure around us. And that can be at any age. And, um, you know, so I I wanted us to, to really think on that. Because those who do not, where it says here, forsake the law, or if we talk about the Bible as being God's law that needs to be written in our heart, and this is what happens after the Lord Jesus Christ gave himself on the cross for us, now everything is written in our hearts. You know, we, we have to have that. that. That's the only way that we can understand the truth of what is right and what is wrong in God's eyes, so that we're not praising things or lifting up things that are actually wicked in the sight of God. That can be something that we've that we've grown up thinking, or that can be something that's just such a part of our culture right now, or somebody saying, well, that doesn't actually mean that what it says in the Bible. When we begin to start picking and choosing the sections of the Bible that we like and discarding the other parts because it means that we need to change to follow God, we're actually praising the wicked or agreeing with 
that rather than agreeing with the word of God. I hope I'm making sense here. Um, but then as such as keep the law, contend with them. Contending with them, Rod, really means struggling or, or that we're not agreeing with it doesn't mean fighting. It doesn't mean that we're fighting and physically fighting. What it does mean is that we're contending with them. We're not just saying, well, okay. Well, if that's what the culture says, if that's what the majority says, then okay. That's not our, when we dedicate our lives to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to know what he, what he says. That is the only thing that makes sense to me, that we need to know what God says for us. It's not our culture that dictates that. It's not our, it's not our uh, governments that dictate that. It's not our family or our friends. It's not even ourselves. It's a set of laws that God has given us that we put in our hearts, that we spend time with God every day. And like I said off the top, we will make mistakes. Yeah. We will do that, but we need to get back in and because God's Holy Spirit can correct us. When I we do make those mistakes. It's, it's important because a lot of people will say, well, I'm not under the law, uh, but I'm under grace. But yet at the same time, remember that the Bible in the New Testament tells us that Christ has a law. One of the laws was love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. And so when you, when you look at politics or you look at leadership or you look at economic leadership or whatever, you can say, well, he did that. He did, I wouldn't have done that. Why wouldn't have you done that? Uh, I mean, if you didn't do that, or was it just to protect yourself? See, we, we serve the Lord because we love the Lord, mm -hmm. not because we're trying to protect ourselves. But when we shift our thinking and move our thinking to we serve God because we love him, that changes everything. It's a much bigger and a much clearer picture. And it really does help us then to understand the culture that we live in or the things that are being held up that are actually not good things to hold up. Yeah, exactly. And, and we have to be accountable first in our own selves. We can't point the finger at others until we ourselves are living the way we're supposed to be living and setting an example. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely true. And it's a very good point to listen to. And so as we think about this and consider it, let's focus our mind on love. what does it mean for us to love God, to follow Jesus Christ as our Lord? BD, family and friends. I know you're tired of me saying the same thing all the time, but I'm, I'm just excited about this channel. And uh, I'll just say this one more day. And that is we do a program called Just the Facts 30 years ago. And we put that on there as well. So all our programs we do here at the studio and have done in the past are on. And they're on video on demand as well. So check out BD, family and friends on the internet, BibleDiscoveryTV.com or on the Roku channel or on the Firestick television, either a BD family and friends, check it out. In the meantime, let's pray. Lord, help me to reset my thinking to your way, not my way. I need to think like you think, not like I do. 
Help me to do that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.